0: Hi, it's Friday afternoon before uh, Shabbat Shuva. As I mentioned before, I have a big talk for tomorrow. But I want to share one little slice, which I think will be of kind of a general interest um, for scholars, maybe. And uh, therefore, I pre- I'm going to do this uh, talk for Saras Shuba And it's on the Rambam. And as always, we want to thank our uh, sponsors, Mishpacha Stefanski. And let's get this out so people have something before Shabbos. I'll tell you where I'm coming from. The Ramban, uh is famous in Mishneh Torah uh, for the sermonettes. I've spoken about them many times, I believe. You know, usually it's dry, halacha, it's boring, unless you're holding in the sugyal, then it's very interesting. But, you know, just legal laws. But fairly, a fair amount of times... At the end of one section, I repeat at the end. That's very important. The Rambam will go off and give a sermon. At the end of Hilchah's uh, Lashon L'tzeraz. At the end of uh, Hilchah's Yontav about Simcha. Lots of them, okay? About uh, uh, slaves, of Av- and Av- 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 I don't know, a lot of them come to mind. And the idea goes like this. It's elegant writing. You see, it's elegant. Meaning... The basic halachas, the technical stuff, I've covered. But I don't want you simply to leave on a technical note. Rather, I want you to leave on a broader and wider note, which imparts moral instruction, and not just nomian instruction. It's an elegant feature of the Mishnah Torah. However, there are two times that I can think of, and only two, I could be wrong, where he departs from this format, and does not give a sermonette um, in, at the end of that section of halachas. But rather in the middle. And they're both in halachas shuba, which is interesting. And, you know, the Rambam is, is is very much a stickler for form. So I think he's going with a method to the madness. I think there's a reason. And I'll explain what I mean in a second. Um, the two, The two cases are as follows. The first one I mentioned in the past, I'm sure I mentioned this year. I know I did previous years. When in Hilchlistube he goes off and says that the remnants of the blowing of a chauffeur, even though it's Sagazu, is Uru Uru Yeshana Mishanaska. Wake up from your moral sleep. And he you oh know, it's a long piece, you know, those of you who spend your time in Havli Olam, and the Arishkeit and so on and so forth. Now, why does he do that? And if it's a little sermonette, why doesn't he put it at the end of Hilchus Chua? That would be very elegant. Right? You have a whole nine, ten chapters of Chua. And then it would end on a very nice note. That the sound of the shofar is the sound to call you to repentance. Uru, uru, yishen, mishen, aslam, etc., etc. Okay? But he puts in the middle. The reason, I think, is because, and I think it's very interesting, I think I'm right, that's all I can tell you what I think. Um... The reason is because the Rambam is dealing with to statements that cannot be ignored or simply explained away or like that. A lot of times, as I think everybody knows, the Rambam was pretty much a rationalist, has the attitude that a lot of Ghazals are not literal. He has a whole long essay on this, Dhamma de Perichalic. Remember where he says there are three types of people when it deals with Ghazals A, B, and C. A are dummies they believe it all literally. C are skeptics; they believe nothing. They think Chazal are dummies, and B are the people like me. That's not what he said, but basically that's what he means. You know how to interpret it as Mashal v'chida. That does not mean that every statement of Chazal is not literal, but many are not. Some are, but many are not. On um, and to the Rambam, statements about demons, devils, you know this, that, and the other, is embarrassing. This is a matter of history. The Rambam grew up in an Islamic context. The Muslims always made fun of the Jewish scriptures for their gross anthropomorphism and the Talmud for its even more egregious anthropomorphism. They're not wrong on that, meaning you can hear where they're coming from, even though they're not yin, so they don't don't get it. I understand that. But to the Rambam, people like, he's not the only one. They felt apologetic towards these sorts of things and tried to explain everything away. Is it mashal v'chidol. Right? It's a very famous story I'm sure you've heard uh, that comes to mind. Where some Russian general or official asked Yitzhak Lahan, who he knew, and he said, You're a smart guy. I see you're a smart guy. How can you believe all this nonsense at baloney in the Agadita? You know, how's a guy like you, a grown man, believe all this junk? And Yitzhak Lahan said, And You have to know how to explain it, what it means. And the guy said, Bold. He said, No, no. I'll give you an example. The Tsar of Russia just signed a, a decree because he was an anti Semitic Uh saying that only people who have a government uh, a license can run a bar. Which means all the Jews who are not going to get a license. Like, hundreds of thousands of Jews this make a living, as shank as they call it, and now they're bankrupted. So, a future writer could say, a drop of ink drowned 100,000 people, or killed 100,000 people. And if you knew what he meant, was referring to the drop of ink in the decree signed by the emperor, then you know what it means. So that's what I mean. We have to know the context. So don't make fun of the Gemara. He said you have to know the context. So all this bespeaks the idea that you know sometimes it doesn't sound normal, sounds silly, okay? And um, the thing is like this. Um, the Rambam knows that it's a halachic statement right, where we do practice to de belong along Takiyah's Demi movement, that we um, blow the chauffeur extra, not only in Shaman and that's a, a matter of Din, it's become a matter of Din, the Gemara says to do it, right? And the um. Uh, reason for that is La'arbev is a satan, right? And so, what does it mean, La'arbev is a satan? Uh, literally, you're confusing Satan. And you have the Rambah, I mean, you have Rashi and Tosas and all that stuff. To the Rambah, this is not a way to explain something like that because it sounds like Satan is a, is a is a a real angel flying around, you know, with, with horns and so forth. It's very embarrassing from philosophical perspective in which there's only God and, and, and the things that God created. Um, and so, the Rambam says that the Rem is this, which means, that the, without him saying it, but the Rambam kind of rephrases it that way, that when it says, uh, you're, you're confusing the Satan, the Satan is your Yitzha, or it's inside you. It's a psychological, but oh, all psychological is rational, it makes very good sense. So it knows he, he did exactly what he said we do in Parkhailat, which is to take a a, a Gata, which sounds nuts, but interpret it as a mashalbakida for something extremely intelligent. Because it is a good vort, Urusha and Vishanasna. So that's one. So my point is, my contention is that he didn't put this sermon at at the end but in the middle, because he was trying to explain a Mamma Khazal which is no geya uh, to, to the actual practice. Similarly, I want to say the same thing with Yom Kippur. There's a very interesting part in Helchus Shuba. You know, the Rambam, Maimonides, he created Helchus Shuba. There was not such thing before him. You have odd statements here and there in Yuma and other places. Think about Shuba here, Shuba there. In the typical, I got it the way. This one says this, that one says that, as we all know, you know, there, there's no attempt to synthesize or crunch it together. That's exactly where the mum steps in, and he says, "I will undertake to let collect all material, integrate into a system, and give it out to you. You can agree with his system or disagree, and but at least it's it's a very clear and coherent system. That's why everybody who's able to during this week, if you haven't done it before, should totally you know read through Ramam's Hilchus Shuva, the ten chapters." Because it's like a classic, and it's, it's, it's easy to read, so to speak. Now, it's written in his style with a lot of lists of people who end up burning and all that. But nevertheless, it's a comprehensive work. And by the way, whoever reads it will see that there's no penance, only repentance. doesn't have the kind of chuba from the Middle Ages where they burn each other and thing, whip each other and things like that. Because it's, it's not in the Gemara, as Talmudically mandated. So the Rambam is a Talmudist, and in the Gemara, they talk about different aspects of repentance not a penance. That's a separate schmooze. Here, I'll tell you where I'm coming from. So in the course of all this, there's a well-known statement. There are many statements in And the truth of the matter is they're hyperbolic. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you understand them, it's hyperbolic. So in my opinion, uh, when the Rambam sees all these statements, the ones that are easy and rational, he presents that way. The ones that sound like a hyperbole, or some extreme, and he's worried people might take it literally, that's where he switches to his sermonette style. And he does it in a remarkable fashion, because as I said before, he created Hilkos Shuba and he gave it the form and order that it was in. And if anybody's ever read Hilkos say, so you know, uh, some of it is philosophical, you know, what happens life after death, that's actually got him in hot water. Um, that's in my uh, lectures on the uh, Maimonidean controversy, you know, about Olam Haba. And he's got questions of theodicy, you know, uh, Bechira and Yediyah, for which he was attacked, and so forth. But the seventh chapter is where he waxes lyrical, it's a panegyric, where he has a, 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 a grand sermon. Uh, if you haven't seen it, take a look. There, the Rambam goes on to say in chapter 7 of Hilashrivo, after saying that a person, you know, should always see himself 50 50 and do one more mitzvah, uh, and he even goes on over here to say that Shuba has to do from bad meatos, but then he goes off and says something which is not halachic at all. A person who's a Baal Shuba now is repenting. Shouldn't think he's very far away from a tzaddik because this Baal Shubha, before doing Shuba did so many errors. So I'm coming from such a low background. Ain't a Dabrakim. Elo Ahuv He's beloved by Hashem. Ki ilu lochotam ayo ilom v'loo Malkin a big s'schhar. Sh'aritom tamachid v'prishmimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim We've all heard this before. The Rambam is the one who crunches it together. A person is about to high very Uh My and And then he goes on to say, you know, and tshuva will happen in the future. And he says, Gadola Shub the and so on and so forth. And then he says, kam Look how grand is the high level of the person who does tshuva. case <mumbling> Yesterday he was distant from Bon Shalom. this, that, and the other. So Anything when he, before he was about Shuba, anything he tried to do good, God wasn't interested. He cast it back in his face. <speaking> in <Hebrew> and now that he's repented, <speaking in> he <Hebrew> has his feelings are answered and you know, and, and Hashem likes his uh, his his more than someone else's, and so on and so forth. He's tight with the Lord. It's very nice. Why does he do that and why does he do it over here? Yes. It's not Ogeya to the laws of Chuba, and if it's one of these sermonettes, why don't you just put it at the end? By the way, it'd be a very elegant ending. Take a look at chapter seven. That, that's how I would end the book be a very elegant entity. I so it, because I was looking up stuff for the Shavu Shudrach, I you know, started thinking these terms. I think that he's bothered or he's afraid the way people take the very famous statement in the Gemara which says kedola chuva shamagia shem, kiser That the chuva reaches kiser Now you and I say oh, just kiser okay, you know. It's a nice expression. No, if you're in my you say like this, people might think God sits on a chair. After all, there are many passages in the Bible about God's chair. I'm thinking off the top of my head from the book of Daniel, where you know, the Atik Yoman comes and they make a whole chair for him, and he sits down, and he's surrounded by fiery angels on both sides, and the hired denure and the whole concept of business. And the idea of God sitting, right? And he, like in judgment, like a real like a judge judge, it's very catchy. And a lot of people, I'm sure, took it literally. And the Rambam himself says in Hilchus Shua, anybody takes any things in Hilchus Shua, I repeat, anybody takes any things literally is going to burn in hell. That's why the Rabbid attacked him. He said, "What's so bad about? Maybe the guy's wrong, but what? Why is it such a big sin? He's a man, and so forth. Well, you're not so bad. He just may have a misunderstanding of you know the literal, not literals. The theology, big deal. You know, one day he'll learn better." Why are you telling me he's Chai Misa? And so forth. That's the famous attack of the Riot. Um But the Rambam, I, I'll repeat, you know, is like he is. He's really worried about this. And so in my opinion, when it came to this past, but, it, you know, it's such a beautiful notion. Gedola Eshubah, did balsuma Ma'giyah, Kiseh kovid. He reaches the Kiseh You know what? I just totally ignore it. Because it, it, it's a very Jewish Remarkable idea. After all, the Jewish religion is very and very uh, um, oriented towards um, keeping laws and not keeping laws. And the failure to keep the laws is very severe. Uh, And one could think, as the Christians do, for example, Christian uh, uh, theologians, that Judaism is just a religion of law. And it's not. It's not just a religion of law. Obviously, law is a big part of it. not just religion and law. And so he said, I want to tell you something. A person who even violated the law, but now becomes a Baal Shuba is Magia kisya Yaakovan. How does one say that? He doesn't want to say, you know, I looked in the Mishnah Torah, you won't find me. He says, in Makarev, al you know, he won't say, Magi kisya I think this image uh, frightened him when he was considering how to write Baal Shuba. So instead he gives you the meaning of Magia cover because after all, God does not sit in a chair and if you're about but you don't rise up like Jack in the Beanstalk or like Flubber on some super thing and you go all high and then you touch the heavenly throne because there is no heavenly throne, is that clear? There is no heavenly throne there may be a Covenant in a certain spiritual sense, it's not a chair okay, so uh, uh, so rather to, to therefore he waxed eloquent and look what he said he said, you know that until now, when he was a sinner, he was a Meshukets and a Murchah and You see the language, right? And uh, he uses Sukkim to back him up over here. And now he's close to Hashem But when you put it in that language, and use the sukim that you use and you see speaking of here in non-physical terms in spiritual terms in spiritual terms it can be explained and even a a, a literalist you know even a hamonam will understand you say somebody's close to bushlam or distant from a bushlam it doesn't mean that in a literal sense if you present it in the right way if you don't present it the right way then a person will think there's a big ladder somewhere if you're Bachuba you get to climb up the magic ladder you get past the clouds and then you knock on the door and they let you in, and you go and sit next to God in the case of I've been at funerals where people use this kind of language. You understand? Now, I mean, it's it's figurative. I get it. But, you know, it's like Kabbalah. It's figurative, 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 but, you know, you get using it so much, people take it literally. know, all the Kabbalistic books, there is on the others. He always has, like, a warning sign. The Surgeon General says, "This bad for your health, always says, don't take this literally. Don't take what I'm about to say literally. And then off we go. <laughs> so, uh. Um, because it all sounds literal. So I think that this wonderful passage, which everyone should read, if, if you don't do the whole Hilchot not everybody's like that, I would recommend, for what it's worth, that you read his moral part here, which is the seventh chapter. It's not long. Okay? And I think uh, my contention is that the long and eloquent passage that he sings over here, uh, with all the pursuit, me, soy, ven, and soigvenenenah, as yes, it says, Gamki Sarbu Sfiele that's an echo. and then now uh it's uh, what do you call it? And and, and and so on and so forth. Uh, you walk away saying like this: Oh, that's the meaning of Agaiakisayakovit. That's a logical thing. You understand? Um, again, I I think this is the case because if it fit his regular pattern it would be the end that's what right. Now maybe i'm wrong but this is how i understand it uh, uh if it's in the middle i th- as it is over here i think cuz he's responding to a which uh for one reason or other he cannot avoid in the case of um the oversort you cannot avoid it because it's a din already you have to have to kiss the mutual in the case over here, he could have avoided it, but I think he saw this as such a beautiful line that it should be. If he's writing a book on to Chuba, it shouldn't just be a how-to book with the rules and regulations. Although he certainly has that, I think he also felt that we should share with the listener my less Chuba. right? Because we do. The truth of the matter is, we do believe. If somebody's a sincere about Shuba, the way he's talking about it over here, that's a very high madriga. We see, look what I just used. He used the word high madrega, which means a, a high step on a ladder. I don't really mean a ladder, but it's a figure of speech. But we understand because of the context in which I'm using it. I think that's what the Rambam meant when he used this language in the seventh chapter of Hilkoshua. As I said, it's just a piece of something I thought about yesterday, or today, uh, no, yesterday, uh, for the talk. And with that, I wish you all... A good job is that'll be a good job. Yeshua, I want to thank the Stravinsky family again and uh, Shabbat Shalom. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbydovidkatz.com.